On this episode of the Brain Tech Podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Banu Anaral, a professor in Drexel School of Biomedical Engineering, which she served as the founding director of for nearly 20 years. More recently, she established the Conquer Collaborative Lab, a global effort that utilizes and develops optical brain imaging technology to study human brain function. I first met Dr. Anaral over four years ago, before I even decided on a college or a major. It only took that one conversation to enthrall me with brain technology, and I've been happy on that path since. I hope our conversation inspires others the way our initial conversation inspired me. Enjoy the episode. Dr. Honorall, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, likewise, Zach, it's an absolutely wonderful opportunity for me to speak with you on this podcast. Thank you. So this podcast has actually started out of a course that you created and taught for the first time this summer called Brain Technology Convergence. And we covered so many topics in this class from neural rights and ethics to brain-computer interfaces, um, neuroeconomics, uh, neuroengineering. You know, of all these topics that we covered in the class, which ones did you find the most exciting? What excites you the most? Ah, uh, Zach, this is my life. I like every piece of it, but I want more. I want those of us who are working in neurotechnology, especially in our case, neuroimaging and neuromodulation, and uh, with our partners in psychology, neurosciences, all the other discipline that uh, feed into us, such as uh, computational sciences, uh, artificial intelligence colleagues, all of them, we very much would like to have those who are thinking about the human condition, uh, humanists, historians, philosophers, anthropologists, sociologists, legal experts, political scientists, everyone to come with us because, as I said in class so many times, we are at the threshold of a very exciting, promising, potentially extraordinarily beneficial uh, frontier, but it could also have, and it, it has already, have some pitfalls and we need to be protected. We need to be protected as humans, as society. So every uh, topic that we covered, and I wish it was like um, twice or three times longer, so we could go a little deeper and we could include a lot more stakeholders. We only could accommodate that much in a 10-week course. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that, that was one of the biggest takeaways for me from the course is just this you know, the vast variety of perspectives that you get. Mm -hmm. We have experts from every domain in this field all coming together. Um, when you were designing this course, was that sort of a big focus of yours is bringing together all of these different perspectives into the one course? Uh, my objective was to open our world to the future generation, especially those in the uh, biomedical engineering lab, realm, engineering lab, com computational sciences, uh, in informatics, those uh, or those who are in uh, the business world, those who are in the psychology, whomever is going to be part of that transformation. I wanted them to come and I wanted them to be aware of each other aware of how many stakeholders this frontier has, because this frontier is a co-evolution frontier. It's the humanity as we know it will change, and we are going to be the shapers of it. So that's why the course emphasized an awful lot uh, foresight, and foresight being studying the future and strategizing and acting 
in the future. So, and also, of course, what we emphasized what was that in that process, we must preserve the safety, the security, and the integrity of our uh, humanness, of our identity, of our free will, of our agency. How do we make sure that it is sacredly protected? And then, of course, I wanted, uh, in all these uh, topics that we covered, I wanted you, the students, the learners, to be aware that it's a very complex phenomenon. In a complex phenomenon, from minor perturbations, amazing emergent phenomena can occur. And unexpected consequences are the natural uh, outcome. So uh, all the various topics that we went into, we went into with that thinking. It's about the future. It's about safety, security. It's about complexity. So it's taking all these different threads, like you mentioned, and sort of weaving them all together into this convergence. So the title of the class, Brain Technology Convergence. So like, what is this convergence? Is it this convergence of all these technologies and the brain? Like, how does it all sort of fit together? Like, how do you see this progressing into the future? Zach, uh, you may have seen in the last assignment, your final assignment, I introduced a concept, which I always use, natural intelligence multiplied. I did not have another uh, uh, sort of operator to use, but it could be convolve. Uh, it could be add, it could be subtract, whatever. Natural intelligence multiplied with computational, hence artificial intelligence. These are human-made intelligence. We just uh, create the, uh, the computational code uh, to create semblant of the natural intelligence. So therefore, what I wanted is for our learners as well as our advisors and mentors and instructors who worked in this course with you guys to become comfortable with this concept of this confluence, this convergence, which will eventually become integration, fusion, melding. These these are stages. uh, And we are about to get into that era. And it's the convergence of human intelligence with this natural intelligence that humans are creating? Yeah, human intelligence, natural intelligence, and it doesn't have to be human. It could be animal intelligence also. Animate intelligence with inanimate computational methodology that we have developed over the years. Uh, Because I'm an information engineer, a digital signal processing and systems engineer, especially digital systems engineer, I could very early on see and totally life, uh, how these two, the convergence of these two types of intelligence, what is intelligence? We learn from experiences, we learn from our errors, we become able to make, we uh, acquire the uh, capacity to make decisions uh, and take actions. Uh, So currently, uh, we have a, a world where what we call human autonomy teaming. So humans and other animate creatures team with the inanimate computational creatures. (laughs) Uh, Could be robot, could be machine, could be an Mm -hmm. algorithm, could be AI uh, code or whatever it is. We will act in, uh, in um, in a 
not necessarily converged, but integrated harmonious manner so that we can accomplish a lot more than we can accomplish as mere Inuit intelligences. So do you see it more as like a, like teaming up like humans and robots and natural intelligence working together toward common goals? Like, well, like I tried to think of, um, you know, so when I, I came into the Concrete Lab recently and I interacted with Pepper, which yeah. is the humanoid robot that you have there, <laughs> yes. um, which was my first experience ever with, uh, with a robot, really. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, and so that was, that was a new experience for me, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and I wondered, like, would, you know, would one day we sort of have these robots that would be sort of our friends? Like, will this natural intelligence, we sort of see them as peers or more as like servants or helpers? And I sort of wonder, um, like, how this... It could be anything, Zach. <laughs> anything that you want, anything that you create, anything. Because it, it it's not, uh, don't think of uh, artificial computational intelligence is independent of us. It's us. Uh, it's how we shape it, whether we turn it into a robot to accomplish a task. Maybe we're it's an exoskeleton that we are wearing to be able to stand up. Say I'm in, uh, from the older generation and soon I may not be able to get up, but I have my robot living with me, which is part mm -hmm. of me, gets me. Uh, it's connected to me in a variety of fashions. I don't have the strength in our arm and it exercises me so that I can get up and I if I regardless if I cannot get up it will make me a person who can uh, operate uh, because my biological body may give up so think of um, the, uh, the this convergence this integration eventually is a fusion not necessarily separated from us but they could be separated because there are many many tasks that are very dirty very boring, very dangerous. We don't want to get humans in that situation. So we will create not necessarily humanoid because human shape that you saw with pepper is a little bit bizarre. It should be their own shape, whatever they are, whatever <laughs> they are good for. And mm -hmm. it could be like a dog. It could be, I mean, it could be any creature. Uh, if you are into science fiction, I'm not that much into science fiction, but uh, in, in science fiction, uh, uh, people have imagined all sorts of shapes, forms, whatever. So it's not separate from us. It is what we make of it in order to have a more secure, safe, enhanced, uh, more enjoyable life, basically. Right. So it's the future is obviously not predetermined. It's, you know, we shape it to the technologies and the research that we do. Yes. That's absolutely, and you are one of them. And by taking this course, you pledged. I pledged to you guys with all my colleagues who came to this course to work with us, with you, we pledged to stay together so that we have, whatever humble way, a, uh, a uh, contribution to make that is very positive, that is very beneficial, that is very good, solves a problem, Solves many problems, whatever it is. We're in this together, Zach. Yes, we sure are. Um, and obviously, sort of at the core of that, we have to keep you know the ethical considerations in mind, because these future technologies that we're creating, they're going to be more and more personal. 
Um, take something like a brain computer interface where it's, you know, it's using your brain activity um, to either understand the brain or um, augment your functions or even restore functions. Uh -huh. But the data itself is personal. It's intimate. It's data that our bodies are generating. Um, so, you know, treating this data, um, we have to treat it with care and with respect and with privacy because right. at the core of it is the human you know, it might seem like it's data, but it's coming from an actual person. Absolutely. Yeah. And so as we're creating these technologies, um, how do we make sure that the, you know, the human, the humanness stays involved, that yes. we take these ethics and, you know, the person into account as we create these technologies? How do we do that? Actually, Zach, uh, in this final <laughs> that you are going to defend with your team, uh, on uh, Thursday, that's the question we're asking how we're going to do it. But let me tell you what I think of uh, what is uh, what needs to be done. Yes, neurodata, unlike any other data uh, uh, that we can collect from the human, behavioral data, your clicks, your uh, likes, your whatevers, uh, or your bodily data, which is the physiological uh, waveforms that we collect from from the heart, from the muscle, from the uh, from the sound of our uh, lungs, uh, all of these various data, though they are connected to the brain data, brain data that is gleaned directly from our physical brain, meaning the neurodata that emanates from our uh, brain, is truly the central uh, data meaning every other data is because the brain has been able to keep the body alive by managing all these functions in the body. So hence they are connected, they are coupled. But our brain data also is where through our higher executive functions, our cognitive functions, our emotions, our most private data. What makes us as a, a human being is revealed uh, because obviously, uh, since you went to you so we have technology in natural environments, we can detect your brain function, Zach. We know if you're paying attention. We know if you're forming memory. We know if you're making plans. We know if you're solving a problem. We know if you're making a decision, Zach. So that means your brain is revealed. Your most private most confidential, the seat of your humanity, your agency, your sense of self is out there, available. Hence, the protection, the sacred uh, data protection needs to become very central to our thinking. Because in all these various technologies that you mentioned that connects the brain to technology, the loop completes, meaning we are brain in the loop systems today, uh, uh, Dr. Sarkar, uh, neurosurgeon, explained to us how completes the brain interface by modulating. And you saw the hand of that uh, um, of that uh, uh, Parkinson's um, mm -hmm. uh, patient. How <laughs> simply <laughs> Dr. Sarkar could make him tremble or not. Yeah, do you see what a power we have with this data? We can, we by the ability to collect the data and to basically affect how brain functions. So that means we have 
an enormous responsibility to preserve the sanctity of the data. And that we call uh, um, responsible brain technology integration. In, in a recent article that I hope uh, students such as you will come work with us, I'd like to write the next version article, uh, how to have um, uh, not only colleagues, researchers, engineers, scientists such as us, uh, but our students also pledge to do no harm, have a professional oath so that you know that what you are dealing with in our lab and in all the, our partner labs, some of them you visited in this class, they have to respect that data like any other uh, precious um, information that they have. So you see what, how, what drives this is that, and that's why the course was created basically, that you will become the stewards of that data. The way it is collected, the way it is supplied to technology loop, uh, the way it becomes part of the control systems, the, the way it feeds back into us, the way it transforms us, it, uh, manipulates us, or it could enhance us, whatever way it transforms us, that it is all respectful of our human uh, being. We are a We are a species that is quite special, and same thing also goes for animals, by the way. Uh, similar considerations must be paid. So animate and inanimate. Inanimate is what we created. Animate is we, who we are. So this inanimate must really make the animate even a better human, a better animal, a, a patient that no longer trembles. Like you said, you saw today. And the seizures uh, that epilepsy patients have. And uh, uh, those who may have mental issues, uh, attention deficit, autism, all of these topics. Uh, and also other uh, phenomena such as social phenomena can be, can work for uh, the, the good of the humanity. So technology for good is what we are. But our technology, compared to any other technology, stands apart because it deals directly with our humanness. Uh, that's totally fascinating. You know, especially thinking about how you know the brain in the loop, like the amount of data that's going to be coming out of our brain and also back into it to modulate it, uh -huh. um, and that just brings even more, um, you know, even more focus to. You know, respecting this data and respecting the people who are generating this data. And that's where I have, you know, some concerns, you know, with these larger companies um, getting involved with this, like mm -hmm. such as Facebook, because if you look at, you know, how they've treated um, some of our um, data that we've created as we've used the platforms, mm -hmm. using it, these algorithms were developed to um, maximize um, in like engagement with the platform. And they learned how to you know, pretty much hack our attention and keep it focused on Absolutely. their platform. And so when I think about, you know, I, I am concerned, you know, that these companies, you know, might not have the most benevolent intents that they might use this data, you know, as more of a way to maximize profits or maximize attention mm -hmm. uh -huh. instead of having the focus on 
um, you know, human happiness or um, something much more benevolent. Do you share these concerns? Of course, of course. Actually, you asked me why this course, uh, this course actually was uh, originated, uh, the thinking originated right after Cambridge Analytica scandal broke up. And we, it was revealed how the data, behavioral data, simple data, likes data, click data, whatever data was utilized to group us into eco chambers and how Brexit happened and how uh, elections in US was tampered with and what happened in Philippines, what happened in Myanmar, whatever happened in other countries in the world. That sort of gave the alarm to me because I was very happily part of and neuroengineering, neurotechnology development team working all these years to make sure that our brain got into the loop of technology and our data would be unleashed in the internet. And then I realized we must also safeguard that data. That data is unlike any other data. So that actually was one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, motivations to create a course and for all my colleagues to donate their time to you guys because social media companies, the platforms that have become huge uh, through clandestine collection of the data, uh, this abuse and warehousing of the data, and then utilizing that data to manipulate uh, us into groups, into different human beings and so on and so forth. I was uh, actually not me only, but many of us who think about the implications of our technologies, the, the technology that we develop, we put our heart and our life into this. We absolutely do not want that data to be in the hands of those who would misuse it. Use it against humanity. Use it against just for uh, 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 just for profit motives. Uh, use it in order to uh, accomplish some goals in marketing, in um, in other uh, political reasons, uh, other social engineering reasons. That is truly uh, possible. So we become. Those of us who enable the technology, we also become the stewards of the technology. We become the uh, those who safeguard the data, who keep it sacred, and make sure that we work with all the policymakers, all the legal experts, all the ethics, and all the human rights experts. Uh, those domain. Uh, uh, um, competence uh, are needed in this uh, domain, in this in this field. Uh, hence, uh, we would like them to come, like they did to this class. Uh, we're writing now proposals to also bring them physically into our projects, and also having a discourse where lay people, people that is currently very misinformed uh, about this topic become enlightened by the next generation such as you. Zach, so you have this podcast that you created and also the blog post that another wonderful student, Elakia, created in our course and many other activities that many of our students are going to carry on after the class. 
are part of that enterprise. We are in this stewardship enterprise. Yeah, and you know the stewardship, you know that falls on like the responsibility falls on all levels, from the engineers creating the technology to the you know the business people running the companies. Mm-hmm. I feel like there has to be this sort of shared stewardship. Like no one person or one group should be responsible for this data. It almost has to be like an oath, like you said, like that we have to you know, understand how um, personal and how important this data is, and that there needs to be this you know almost like a distributed responsibility where everybody involved Excellent. realizes the implications of this and you know does you know, th- their part to ensure that this data is collected and used and the technologies are developed oh. ethically and with you know the human at the center of everything really and all the policies with the advisement with the involvement engagement of all philosophers ethicists and human rights people all the anthropologists uh sociologists legal experts should lead to policies then they should lead to standards then it should lead to accreditations then it should lead to you know, to certifications of those who are meant to uh work in this domain perform in that domain, practice in that domain, the practitioners also should be part of it. And another thing that we really would like to have is that as this, these policies uh, emerge and become eventually a legal framework to protect our human mind and animal mind also, anything that needs protection of that kind, uh, that uh, process uh, is uh, not only... Uh, accelerated, but also enriched. And we should be looking at uh, other issues such as justice, um, not only ethics, because also there is this possibility of creating very uh, 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 sort of um, very unequal societies where the haves and have-nots will have uh, some um, responsibilities uh, that will uh, uh, protect the vulnerable. Uh, so there are so many issues in this uh, topic. It's, it's, however, it's our responsibility to uh, commune with all those who bring value to this thinking, to this discourse, especially the voice of the young generation. That's why in this course, the the, um, the, uh, the proposal, the collective class proposal that will take from that proposal that we re- wrote in 2018, now hopefully another one will come out, your voice, the voice of your team and all the other 12 teams will be heard. And the enablers will uh, confirm, affirm that they feel responsible and they will uh, um, uh, promise to do absolutely, to work on technologies that are beneficial rather than potentially harmful. And then all these uh, major uh, social media companies, high-tech platforms, they will also come in line because we will educate your generation to create those companies. And then you will compete out there. Uh, And uh, everybody will converge, of course, to what is right for their child, for their teenagers, for themselves, so on and so forth. So it is a saga that's unfolding. Mm, Zach, truly. And hopefully this podcast, 
somehow through your career as you go along and develop into a professional, hopefully we'll continue and we will be able to follow through your podcast or the paper uh, and the series of papers and with various proposals that we use to fundraise to uh, make this uh, initiative last to perpetuity, hopefully. I mean, that was the motivation for this course. I think you wanted to know that first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's so interesting. Um, and it's, you know, really trying to bring a voice to this field because there are so many technologies and so many people um, yeah. that you almost get kind of lost in just the technology itself. Mm -hmm. We sometimes don't get to hear the voices of, you know, like you said, the younger generation. So the students who are, you know, haven't graduated yet are still learning about these mm -hmm. technologies um, to, you know, get to hear the, the perspective of a student. And also through this podcast, they get to speak with, you know, incredible people like you who have been in this field for many years and are like the leading experts. And so to get the perspective of, you know, the younger generation, as well as those in the field, I feel like is very important as well as getting a variety of perspectives, both from yeah. the technical side and the societal side and uh, the ethical side. Uh -huh. Just important to, um, you know, have this communication, to yeah. have this you know, public discourse, yeah. you know, especially with topics that yeah. are this future, uh, future facing and um, Absolutely. And in this course, another aspect, and not only in this course, but in our life um, uh, as it unfolds, uh, it's not only that uh, there are colleagues out there whose knowledge of the human condition would be useful. Many of our technical um, colleagues, including me, are not aware of their specialty. So the key thing is to discover also those who could help us work on technologies that are absolutely for the good of humanity, because they have studied societies, how they behave. They have studied humans. Uh, there are a variety of uh, neurosciences, say psychology experts, politicians, economists, uh, sociologists who could potentially come with us, but they are not aware of us. And when, uh, is in some of your assignments you've seen, historians and uh, journalists, thinkers, uh, philosophers talk about this. They talk about, in third person, they talk about the technology. They don't talk about us who make the technology. And they talk about the pace of technology, not the pace with which neuroscientists and engineers are creating this. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. talk about and when they talk about artificial intelligence, they don't talk about our computational colleagues. Uh, our colleagues in informatics who are building those algorithms, oftentimes inspired by the, how the human cognates, how the human uh, reasons, how the human thinks, how the human learns. How the human th so they seem to have forgotten about us because our voice was not heard as those who enable this frontier. So they call us technology. It's very amazing. And one of the things is really, of course, was that you become, you feel responsible, not only to become a critical thinker, a thoughtful actor, someone who's going to shape the future that you really want and also inform others. So which means, Zach, uh, students like you, just like you, and there are quite a few in that class who are amazing, amazing future professionals.
they will go deep in whatever specialty that they go in, but they will keep an open mind. Their horizons will be wide. They will be watching. They will be thinking. They will be questioning. They will be arguing. They will have a voice when they speak. They will not be set aside like, oh, a simple engineer talking, but an engineer that is capable of the um, and able to engage with the discourse. So in a way, the enlightened engineer, the enlightened scientist, the enlightened uh, future agents of this convergence are going to emerge from this class and all the other similar classes. Uh, and then we will make, we will be very uh, comfortable, those of us who are in the older generation, to hand it over to you guys, get behind you. And we, we are already behind you, but we will stay behind you as you accomplish all these wonderful milestones. That's wonderful. Well, and, that's your job, yeah. uh, Zach. Drive <laughs> your life to you. Yeah. Um, and that just sort of um, brings back to this, the importance of communication, you know, both oh. to get the, um, the human side of things, the, you know, the engineers and the scientists and the researchers and everyone behind this technology Absolutely. to give them a voice, uh -huh. as well as, you know, to cut through some of the sensationalism and hype that surrounds some of these technologies. Um, and, you know, it's really from these people who are you know, really in this field that, you know, that they understand sort of the limitations of the technology. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, some of this sensationalism can give people like almost a false hope where they think that these technologies will enable or restore capabilities um, now, but there's still a lot of work to do to get it to that point. Actually, I think um, referring to the class today when uh, Anna Wexler actually put that on those who make unfounded claims. In that case, it was Neuralink and uh, Elon Musk, uh, unfounded claims and harm those who are most vulnerable in our society, those who truly need, need this technology, but when the technology is capable of it. Right now, it is not. Uh, so this hyping is not only for sensationalism, also for business reasons, for fundraising for their own companies, on based on unfounded claims, harm those who are who really need our protection, the vulnerable, the those who need to come into the fray in this discourse and appreciate to be patient, wait patiently until science sorts out, technology delivers to them in a safe secure manner. And that is what medicine has done. Medicine has created all these medical ethics, bioethics, uh, human subject protection, animal protection, all of that. It took years to develop that. Also, many professions have prof professional oaths. They, they will, they will um, promise to never ever with their technology harm people or their methodology harm people. So it is do no harm, uh, um, a promise that we have. So in a way, uh, clearly there will always be those who will take advantage, who will abuse, who will misuse, who will distort. Uh, but if we are critical, thoughtful, wise people and actors, 
And we have, like you said, a ability to communicate where we're coming from, what is our reality, and understand what others can bring to this. We together can absolutely create a brain technology convergence that works for everyone. That's your job, Zach. Yeah, I hope. Now, and this is the this is what fascinates me too, because um, I'm a biomedical engineering student. But it's really the brain and the neuroengineering that really fascinates me. Um, so, you know, I hope to one day play a role in this and develop the technologies. And You're not I'm so fortunate to promising me. There is no hoping. Hoping in this is I will. You say I will be part of it, <laughs> and I will be part of all the good solutions that I can attend to. That's what you're promising. In a way, uh, I said uh, in class today that we're pledging to stay with you forever. Uh, That is in exchange to that promise. And that's why this Thursday, during your final, I will be not yours only, all the other teams. We have now seven teams. Uh, I will be all ears, open heart, open mind, listening what you've got to say. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've talked a lot about some of the, uh, some of the concerns with this, this technology and some of the, uh, you know, some of the hype and some of the sensationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the current state like? I mean, we've, you seem, we seem to have talked sort of, um, the concerning parts, but what are some of the incredible parts? Like today, what is this technology enabling? What are we learning about the brain using these technologies? How long do we have, Zach? <laughs> so <laughs> the potential, the promise is so absolutely tremendous. I mean, it's unlike it because we live in it and our laboratory, especially in our partner labs, we are deploying this technology in so variety of domains. It's not only medicine, of course, it's learning. It's about the future of learning. It is about the future of, you had this in class, aerospace, about transportation. It's about when we're talking about self-driving cars, they are not self-driving, actually. We are part of that machine. Mm -hmm. And at the right time, at the right uh, circumstance, we need to take over. Otherwise, the machine will, we have to absolutely do it the right way. And then there is, of course, all these other domains such as economics, uh, uh, obviously marketing, consumer experience. Uh, We have politics where this technology could do wonders. Uh, uh, One of the student groups last uh, last Thursday talked about a new political system because of that, because neuropolitics has been already exercised. So there is no domain retail, whatever. Anything that you can imagine, uh, uh, Zach, every, every aspect of our lives will be touched by this convergence. There's no running away. There is no actually uh, uh, stopping it either because we are on our way and we, are, we now want all those who study the, the human, all the students of human nature to come with us. And so, so students of societies, they want, they come with us. They, we do it together. And when we do it together, I know if my long life and my many years in this profession has demonstrated, we can always insist to do the right thing with the right people at the right time. 
You see, that's a life mm-hmm. philosophy. If you have that philosophy, things always improve. Of course, we have setbacks. Of, well, of course, we have adverse events. Of course, people will take advantage of our weaknesses, vulnerabilities. But that's okay. We will get up and we, get, we will get going. That's, the, that's my pledge to you guys. And not only me, but all my colleagues in this amazing, humongous community that has brought it to that moment. Now we're handing it over to you guys. So it's it's a journey and it's doing the right thing with the right people, um, but then also being persistent when things go bad. Zach, right place, right people, right thing, right place, right time. And the world, the 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 globe is your playground, and the entire <laughs> humanity is your partner. Yeah, well, I mean, you've certainly surrounded yourself with some incredible people, um, you know, especially at your lab, um, the Conquer Collaborative Lab. Um, can you talk a bit about like what some of the um, members are doing, what some of the research is? Um, what technologies you employ? Sure, we're obviously a very small, uh, you know, a very small um, uh, sort of node of this frontier. Uh, we have many, many partners uh, in this lab uh, that uh, that is called Cognitive Neuroengineering Quantitative Experimental Research, hence Conquer. It's a collaborative. It is not a center, a simple laboratory, or an institute, or anything like that. It's a place where those from different disciplines, uh, different institutions, different cultures converge uh, to solve a problem. Oftentimes the research question comes to us or an unmet need comes to us. And because we have a core team and we have a large spanning network of knowledge, we get into that um, concept, onto that uh, study uh, with the domain experts, and we deploy it. We work with them to deploy it into their world. And when we do that, we stay part of of this. We have very interesting projects. But if I want, uh, if I went into all of them, it would this podcast would be here for hours. <laughs> maybe I should take just one or two. One project that um, doctors. Uh, Meltem and Kurtush Izetolu are doing, uh, are performing with our colleagues at the Albert Einstein Medical School in New York is about aged population and uh, cognitive decline uh, problem. And they have an extraordinary course and we have been uh, working with them to improve the quality of life. Another one, actually, let's go to the other extreme, uh, with babies um, uh, that, uh, again, Mel Tamizitolu led that project, but others also have joined. Uh, They uh, they, um, have helped uh, those who are uh, uh, working with uh, postpartum depression of mothers and how the baby and the mother communication, that full circle is not completed, then the brain development for the baby may be uh, undermined. And again, uh, some solutions. Now, as you know, uh, through Dr. Ayaz and his partner, Fred Dohe, both visited our class. We are leading a huge, they are the leads of this 
frontier called neuroergonomics. Neuroergonomics brings truly the uh, ergonomics, meaning uh, how technology fits to human. In the when you include the brain, of course, that ergonomics issue that impacts every walks of life, especially those uh, topics that happen in the field out there in real life in your office in your uh, in your car in your uh, uh, in the plane and so on and so forth so neuroergonomics uh, initiative uh, the uh, conferences that are happening one is happening very soon in 2 weeks actually uh, um, the neuroergonomics uh, uh, frontiers and neuroergonomics publications and all of these activities all the projects that are ongoing in variety of sectors in industry and uh, in learning, in entertainment, in um, any aspect of our life is truly amazing. And we are a small laboratory. I mean, we are maybe uh, eight to 10 faculty with our partners, maybe we're 30. We have uh, undergraduate students, graduate students, uh, doctoral students, postdoctoral students all over. And we exchange these. Uh, so we work all over the world. Now we work in China. We work in UK. We work in other parts of US. In France, we do. Germany. Uh, in Turkey, we have several labs and partners. So so it because it is um, our, uh, this is our uh, uh, joint responsibility. Uh, the entire human society is involved. So, in a way, Conqueror is like one of the little tiny hubs of it, of that amazing network. Right. And it is a network. It's, you know, and it's right in the name, collaborative. And it's getting that world perspective, connecting people from, you know, Turkey and China and the United States. And because this technology isn't just specific to one country, it's Mm -mm. global. It impacts, you know, like you said, like every, everything. You see, human Um, So, yeah. Yeah, and so it, just having that that global reach and that global connectivity, you know, is really essential um, for developing a technology that really is going to have these global implications. Mm-hmm. And really could, um, you know, shape the way that humans and society interact on you know global scales. Actually, it's good that you emphasize this point because this course actually is one of the courses that we are launching with our Global Innovation Partnership Program. And that program actually has a motto. It says, science serves humanity, transcends boundaries. And we have a third uh, thing that, that I, doesn't come to me right now. Uh, transcends boundaries. Uh, maybe you, do you remember? Uh, because I use that as my background and my in the course. Uh, let me see. Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. But uh, transcends mm-hmm. boundaries and uh, ah thrives in diversity. No, that's thrives in diversity. Thrives in diversity. See, science serves humanity. In this case, global innovation partnerships serves humanity. Transcend boundaries and thrives in diversity, because it's the different point of views coming together, converging to create new value is the major uh, mission that we have in that program. Right. Yeah, it's that the global connectivity, you know, and that really is essential. We're in this, Um, all of us. Yes, 
everyone. <laughs> yeah, so for so for a student who's looking at the future mm-hmm. and is thinking about all of these you know, fascinating technologies that we've mm-hmm. learned about and who's, you know, and who see as like, basically like at a fork in the road, but with many more forks, there's so many different paths to go. Um, there's so many different technologies, so many different fields. It's going to go so many places. Um, but for a student who's at the very beginning of that, who has this whole journey ahead of them, mm-hmm. you know, what advice would you give to them to sort of go along that journey? I uh, go with your heart, go with your passion. Go where you feel that you can make uh, an impact. You can add value. It will not be a straight path, Zach. It's going to wind around. You will go to dead ends sometimes. You will not work with the right people. You will not be in the right place at the right time. You will not be doing the right thing under the circumstances, so on and so forth. But there's always this mission. There's always your eyes fixed on that cause that you have, which is to serve humanity through neuroengineering. So you will do something. You may change professions. You may go into law. You may go into medicine. Obviously, when you go to medicine, you take a certain track. If you go into law, you take another track. You can do economics. You can do philosophy. You can do ethics. You can do sociology. You can do anything you like. You can become a politician. You could be that. But the same mission lights your path. Then that path, however winding it may be, however many obstacles you may to surmount, it's going to happen. In my case, all decision points, if I trace back my decision three, were not correct ones. Actually, most of them, maybe... 60, 70 percent were wrong decisions, but I learned something. You mm-hmm. learn, you keep learning, you keep building on your experiences, you keep building on your uh, wonderful, intimate relationships. Trust networks are created around you. People trust you, you trust them, and then with them, you can do anything. That's my uh, two cents for the students. You will find so your. Don't mind. be afraid of taking the wrong path sometimes. Yes. <laughs> as long as you're open heart and open mind. If your mind is open, your heart is not open, it won't happen. Like if your heart is open and your mind is open, anything can happen. Any good thing can happen. Dr. Honorable, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, it's, you know, it's been a well, it's been wonderful, this conversation. And, you know, I'm so thankful that you took your time to have this conversation with me. So, Dr. Ronald, thank you. It's been an honor talking thank to you. Thank you, Zach, for giving me this opportunity. I never actually had an opportunity to speak like that to the next generation and tell them what is in my heart. So you let me do it. So I thank you deeply. <laughs>